Hello! And welcome to episode 9 of BXB's Bits and Bobs. We are flying blind! Flying blind this week because I decided not to do show notes. So no scripts. Normally everything is scripted out. You think we're just spontaneous. We're not. We're just really good performers. Uh, I write, it takes me hours, hours. I write this detailed, long scripts out. The guys are very good at following the directions, I have to say. Everything is planned to the letter, but not this week. This week, you're going to get us unfiltered and unscripted. I hope you're excited. Because I know I am. <laughs> how are you guys? You, yeah. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to say because they don't have a script. I was just thinking how funny it'll be because it'll, it'll probably be no different to normal, won't it? When we no, no different at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. Just look at, just stare into the camera. What do we do? What do we do? It probably just means ninety minutes of wrestling chat, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's the unscripted bit. Is the wrestling? Yeah, I'm drinking beer. This is my. This is my chill. I've had a long ass week. I was working today. I'm. I'm. I don't. You guys talk about amongst yourselves. I don't. I don't care. I'm gonna have beer. Fine. What have you been playing this week, Adam? So this week I have been playing. (laughs) uh... Don't hijack my show. Who said you could do that? Oh, I, I, yeah, I said you could do that. Yeah, That's, yeah, you uh, did. You said it just now. Remember? I'm trying to blow out everybody's um, headphones as much as possible right now. I'm hoping to cause like tinnitus or deafness or like you know I'm trying to create as many disabled people. And you know my plan is to cripple the NHS and to cripple the government with so many disabled people that they can't handle it. You don't and it's need just to worry. bring down the government. I don't no, think no, crippling I don't. the NHS would cripple the government. No, you're no. They accelerate my schedule. Yeah, yeah, no, that is fair. That is fair. I'm being visited by my my little cat as well down here. So hello. Sorry. Yes. Is, give me one so of these shows. Already. Yeah, this is, give me one of those shows, guys. Um, yes, like I said, no scripts. So we're we're just we're just gonna just do it. Um, not actually. You mentioned wrestling, but I don't think there's really much to talk no, about. No, there isn't. <laughs> so we're, let's just let's just not bother. I might I might just just jump into some games and stuff because there's actually been quite a lot of um. Mm news and and stuff going on and bits and pieces uh one one thing i just wanted to really throw out real quick actually because it kind of harkens back to early days of um of bxb was that firewatch is coming to the xbox one hey which is coming out um i think it's just not that long 21st of september i'm reading here on this story that yeah to warn you there will be sounds of typing and clicking of mice because i'm going to be opening things and looking at stuff as we go through and i'm guessing you guys are going to be doing the same because no script um, so, but yeah, Firewatch. More people get to play Firewatch. That's good in the app. It's fantastic. I mean, like, I think my review ended up get, finishing on a bit of a down note because I really disliked the way it ends. Um, can't really talk about why because spoilers. But hopefully, you both play it and then we can have a discussion over it because. Well, I, I played it on PS4, it, so it does interesting things narratively, and then the way it pays them off is. Intentional and brave, but I wasn't particularly happy with it. But man, what a game it is at the start! It's absolutely lovely. Definitely a, a game I'd recommend to everyone. Uh, we'll definitely be picking it up. On I was going to say you haven't played it, Richard. No. No. I mean, with the disclaimer that it is a walking simulator, so don't you know? Oh, no, <laughs> if what you want to be doing is chest high walls and cover shooting, like no, don't expect that. <laughs> no, I get what it is, and I, I do like walking simulators. Yeah. Um, one of my favourite of last year was. Um, Everybody's gone to the rapture. Ah, cool. So, See that like one. That? Sat, that one is sat on my PS4, and I've yet to play it. I really need to play that game. Richard, don't it's I? Fantastic game, yeah. Just yeah. for just it's, it's amazing Englishness. Mm, yeah, have quite the same appeal this year. I don't know. 
<laughs> so yeah, what, a couple of things I want to mention about this Firewatch, and um, you know, we might talk about it more obviously after it comes out. But there's going to be like a, an audio tour, which oh. the Capistanto are putting in. So you know, you're talking about the ending and stuff. I'm guessing they'll address that, and that'll come up in there. Yeah, cool. Basically, you know, yeah. the commentary that they're putting in, and they're also putting in a free roam mode. And That's I'm not, a nice idea. Is it not well, a free roam game? No, because stuff is gated and changes depending on the days yeah. as you progress through. So things do change in the environment. <coughs> and if they just if there's just a mode where everything is open and you can literally just explore from the very beginning, um, mm. that is a that is actually quite different, actually. So um, yeah, yeah, there is there's a directing narrative in that game. Yeah, it's also on a it's on a day night cycle, and you are doing a job. So you know sometimes the game tells you, look, you have to go back now. You have to go and actually do your work, please. <laughs> So it doesn't give you like I mean it gives you free round to free round to wander around, but with some restrictions and it kind of gently pokes you towards um, following the story rather than disappearing off into the undergrowth for days on end. Whereas I can see the need for a free roam mode. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I think they're saying they're they're patching these modes will come later to the previous version on PC and PS4, but they're going to be kind of like a timed exclusive a little bit on the Xbox to encourage people to pick it up again. I think so. That's uh, that's cool. Though. They are going to come to all the money. I'd like to give that a go. The, the way they dealt with that in Rapture, I don't know if either of you have played it, Ben, you haven't. The yeah. um, There is plenty of story to follow, and it clearly directs you to where you've got to go, I mean, quite heavy-handedly in, in um, lots of ways, but you don't have to do any of it. You can go anywhere in the game from the beginning yeah. and cut all of it out if you want. So, that's cool. You know, I just remembered that. I remember saying, guys, we've forgotten to do something very important. Oh, we haven't said who we are, have we? There's, there's that, but, <laughs> but even more important than that, even more important than that, though, good, thank you for reminding me, Richard. Um, even more important, we've not talked about T-shirts. <laughs> oh, yeah, we left that till the end last time as well. We can and, do- I, and I know, I've had this guy, I've had uh, Cameron contributed to the site, um, and, I, I, you know, he's asked me again, make, you know, make sure you talk about your T-shirts. Did you make the so, effort? Uh, I've made an effort. I've changed after coming home from work. I'm wearing my Salaku shirt from Aliens. So that's, oh, that's what I'm wearing. A little bit nerdy, but you know, I just stated. What about you, uh, Rich? You got anything on? I've got a Valentine's Home of the Jill Sandwich t shirt. Oh, very good. Help me out here, guys. Very I'm not getting it. I'm going to keep it. Young gamer. I'm going to keep myself out. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Shame Resident, me. Resident Evil 1. Barry oh, Burton's you see, funny joke about, a... oh, 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 you were nearly a Jill sandwich when Jill is nearly crushed. I do get it. <laughs> I do get it because it came back in Revelations, didn't it, as well? There was a callback to it in the second Revelations um, bundle of shit. That, yes. that game is very good. Um, but I've never played the first Resident Evil. I've had many opportunities to, but I've never really like put the time in and, and properly played it. I, I always, when it's on sale, which it is often on the consoles, the new version and stuff, um, I always hover over it. I very nearly buy it, but I never, I never go for it in the end. Um, I don't know why. I, I, I played four, five, and six, and you should stuff, at least but, watch these cutscenes on Sorry. YouTube. The Master yeah. of Unlocking. I hope that's not yeah. British blood. You've got to see all these classic scenes. Yeah. Although, do bear in mind that the reason these are classic scenes is because they're terrible and badly delivered and written by idiots. I, I am looking forward oh, to Resident Evil: The End, the new film. Does that count? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you got, I love those films in the, in the fact that they're so awful. They are so enjoyably bad. Uh, uh, I don't I, know. Time else, no? 
It would actually be a sort of interesting experiment to see if Resident Evil 1, to someone who's never played it before, holds up at all. Because I actually wonder whether it wouldn't be an awful gaming experience nowadays. Especially if your entry point was 4, which was caught at the point when it abandoned everything that was Resident Evil. See, this is my fear because, I've, like I said, I've read about it a lot. I know a lot about it, you know, and stuff over the, from just, you know, being in the enemy. <laughs> Um, and finding, you know, biohazards development, all that sort of stuff kind of interesting. And, and the unreleased sequel that never happened and how it morphed into another game and all that. I found all that really interesting. But, yeah, what puts me off is the idea of tank controls and inventory mm-hmm. management and all of that. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, those were the dulcet tones of Adam Breeden, Hello. who is the PC um, editor. Uh, this is Ben speaking, Ben Hall speaking, the, the editor-in-chief. And Richard is about to speak. I've just done my t-shirt. Yeah, but no, but I'm doing intros now. Oh, God, you you really need a plan. (laughs) No, because I've been told by people that sometimes that people like the the freewheeling crazy. You know, I I like to try and try things. But if if us three are confused, I don't know what the two viewers are doing. (laughs) (laughs) 200 million viewers, Richard. (laughs) I can see the numbers right now. There's hundreds and thousands and millions of them. All right. You know, bigger than Dota. <laughs> People, just, come on, Richard. Come on. God, if you can't believe the lie, how are we going to convince everybody else? I mean, Jesus. Uh, I'm just being humble. I know we're, we're popular. It's, come it's, on, show us your T-shirt. Oh, yeah. Adam. I'm, I'm wearing a Matalan T-shirt. It's nothing. <laughs> it's it's a reference to the game. I don't have very much money. <laughs> uh, is that de- de- depression quest? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Papers, please. Uh, what this could we go for to do with money? Yeah, I, I offered you sweatshop to do, but I guess you never, you never, you never, you didn't take me up on that offer for sweatshop on. PC. Yeah, no, I didn't. No. So, um, <laughs> Too, cl- too close to home, too close to home, I understand. But also, that, that was super disappointing because if you Google for the game Sweatshop, there's a really nice-looking uh, kind of incremental clicker with these charming sort of graphics, and there's obviously a sort of satirical underpinning to it, and it looked really fun. And then I looked at the one on Steam, and it's not that one. It's a different one that seems to be made entirely out of grey. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> does. Yeah. Basically the same game, but with no charm whatsoever. <laughs> so I was like, oh, maybe I'll pass that. <laughs> I'll play a nice game about a fox. That seems good. Um, talking about games, oh, here we go. Talking about games with potentially some foxes in them, mm-hmm. uh, Skyrim uh, on right. uh, on Xbox One soon and on PS4 soon. The uh, the fancy pants editions that's coming out. But you know, Sony have decided uh, to do something really weird. Actually, they they are not allowing mods on the PlayStation Four version of either Fallout Four or Skyrim. And Bethesda have been working on this and trying to get this to happen for absolutely ages months and months and months of discussion i've actually got the statement here that they put up on their blog and um but yes yeah, sony have, have shut them down and have said no it's just we're just not going to allow it at least not in the open way they want them to be available um and you know i think professor of light said you know if you don't let us do it our way we're we're it's not going to do it we're going to tell you to go do one um which is uh i think really surprising from from sony actually and uh, it's not like them is it or well they're, they're, uh, the whole thing about PlayStation has been, the PS4 has been, it's open, let the indie developers on, let's get everybody involved, let's make yeah. it like an open platform. And and the fact that they won't allow um, Bethesda to have this this freedom, maybe they're feeling a bit slighted because they gave it to Xbox first or or something like that. But but Sony have um, 
you know, drawn the line and said no. And it's resulted in at least one person, um, writer of for Brit Xbox from God years and years and years ago, um, Night Eyes, um, who switched to PS4 when it came out, and that's when we lost him from Brit Xbox, understandably. But he's he said, I'm gonna buy. I'm going to buy an Xbox because I want, you know, Skyrim, the Fantasy Pants edition that's coming out, and I want mod support. So, you know, it, it is affecting gamers and it is pissing some people off. It might seem like a small thing, but, you know, as a, as a sort of like Richard said there, you know, considering the ethos that they've, they've created with, with the PlayStation 4, it's quite surprising. Yeah. Hmm. It's like they're um, getting a bit too big for their boots again, don't you think? Well. PS3 launch era, Sony is back. Well, <laughs> let's talk a bit. That segues us nicely into some discussion of hubris. Uh, a couple of large tech companies this week have, I think, shown off some amazing levels of hubris. Uh, let's talk about Apple first before <laughs> we talk about Sony, because, yes, there's lots to talk about. Uh, Apple and uh, no, no more wide headphones, guys. At least not. No, I should say no point. No more 3.5 mil jack. Yeah, because because we can do that. Because we're courageous, you know. We're courageous. We're we are we are we are you know French people in the trenches in World War One, charging down German machine gun nests. We're courageous because we're taking <laughs> out the three point five. It's what it, it's what you need. You've got to have the courage to make yeah. this change to take this three point. No, you just want to make money. That's all you've got yeah. to do, guys. You just got to want to make money. Lots and lots. Of, oh yeah, you guys own Beats, don't you? The biggest, uh, you know, the most popular sort of um, retailer and manufacturer for Bluetooth headphones. Hey, weird. How strange that you want to get rid of the 3.5 mil jack. What a shock. There's, I think there's more to it than that as well, though, isn't there? Because the 3.5 mil jack was also the only kind of publicly known input and output port on the platform that you could actually interact with. Like, there was a lot of kind of... Non-proprietary and non-proprietary um, devices that plugged in through that, and I think this is just Apple want they want full control of everything. I mean, you look at like the iTunes Store, which is very much a kind of walled garden where they have complete control over everything that gets like every piece of software that gets run on their device. Now they want control over every piece of hardware as well, so it's all going to be like proprietary uh, systems now, and you're going to need some sort of dev license presumably if you want to make anything that interacts with the iPhone at all, which is a shame. I think you know. Well, okay, so there's only negatives for customers here. Only more, negatives. More importantly, they want to make the phone thinner, Adam. How can you forget it's about making the phone thinner? Yeah, uh, the phone's thin enough. Oh, that's that, aren't they? I don't understand the appeal of a thin phone. No, me neither. I mean, I've got I've got the last model, the the six S. I want to say, uh, and that's already like you know perfectly yeah. thin enough. You know, it well, doesn't need to be any slimmer. It makes them lighter, doesn't it? Like a light phone's good, I suppose, but. Eh. I don't agree, actually. I no, I like to have a bit of heft to my phone, so I know mm-hmm. where it is, you know? Yeah, and if you've spent 600 quid or whatever it is, if you buy an unlocked one, you know, you want to feel like you've actually bought something, Yeah, you know? And I find a bit of, like, you know, strong industrial design, something with a bit of heft to it. It feel, Maybe this is just because we're old blokes, maybe, guys. I mean, I don't no. wear a lot of skinny jeans. I don't wear a lot of pairs of skinny jeans, I'll be honest. Yeah. And therefore, maybe if I was one of those millennials that did that, you know, I, you know, maybe I'd appreciate something that was wafer thin, 
in my jeans. Waffer. Waffer thin. You did just remind me of something. As a pure aside, um, all three of us sat here right now with these big bin headphones on. I guarantee if you crack every set of headphones we're holding, we're sat here with on our heads open, you'll find small weights in each earpiece. There are, they actually add weight to headphones to make them feel more substantial because the technology you need to reproduce sound is light as a feather. And so to make it feel like a substantial purchase, so you can sell it for forty pounds, uh, weight is deliberately added during manufacturing. So ah, it's all a big con. We're just a bunch of stupid well, consumers. It's, it's, it's a science called haptics that I'm very interested in because mm. it relates to like how design interacts with human beings, and I find that interesting. I wouldn't be surprised. I, mean, I had a similar theory about the Xbox Elite controller because it's substantially mm, heavier, and you just yeah, think, I just think that's probably true. Of, it's full of rocks or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all surprise me. Yeah. But it's all the metal that's in there, Richard. It's all the high-quality metal right, that yeah. can make it. Yeah. And lead. Lots of lead. Just full <laughs> of lead. <laughs> because they make good controllers from lead. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, uh, so Apple did that. I mean, other things they've added, the uh, you know, new camera. It's the home button's no longer a physical button. It just screams. It's like we need to innovate for the sake of it because we've run out of ideas. And that's that's what it seems to be. I mean, it's difficult for me to gauge because I'm one of those weird people that buys window phones. Do I think people, no, I don't. I don't think we'll have much of an effect on sales, to be honest. Not more than what we're already seeing. People are already trending away from the iPhones and moving towards the, the, the other options as it is in the market. And I don't think this will pull anybody back. But I don't think it's going to necessarily drive people away. Uh, they're they're going to be putting a, a lightning adapter in the box anyway so that you can, you know, use your 3.5 mil uh, wide headphones wherever you like. You know, that's not going to well, be a big difference. That's fine, so. but it still means you can't actually charge your phone while using it. Yeah. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, I, I recently, it's interesting because I, I recently, um, I had a pair of uh, 120, 150 pound in-ear headphones that broke on me after just after a year of use. And I was like, this happened like literally a few weeks ago. And I was just like, fuck that. I, I am never spending that kind of money on headphones again. That's just ridiculous. It's a, it's a fool's game. I mean, I'm, what kind mm-hmm. of idiot am I for doing that? Um, so I went and bought, went on Amazon. I looked up a bunch of products. Went, up, went and looked at a few review sites as well. Uh, and went after a pair of very, very, very well-reviewed Bluetooth in-ear headphones for 20 quid. Uh, and I've been using them for about a week. And I don't often write reviews on Amazon, but I was... Um, inspired to just by how surprisingly good they are. Um, and I left, you know, a five-star review for the product amongst hundreds of other five-star reviews. Uh, and it's like, so you can go out and buy yourself a pair of pretty decent, um, very cheap uh, Bluetooth headphones now. Um, you know, the, t- the technology's got to a point where the price has fallen way off on it. Uh, I remember when I last looked at Bluetooth a few years ago, it, you couldn't do that. There was no way. Um, there's, a, there's a big downside to Bluetooth headphones, though. I mean, you got to charge it. You got a charge. That's the problem. That's all I use. I've got a de- a really good set of Bluetooth headphones actually for running, and I pretty much use them all the time. Although I've got these as well that I might use occasionally. They are too big to take out though. Mm-hmm. Um, so my Bluetooth ones are my sort of daily driver. But as soon as they run out of batteries, then what? You know, so you've got, uh, kind of got to ration I've... yourself to how much you use them in the day, or you've got to have a backup pair. I, I use my, my inner headphones about an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon for my commute. Uh, and they lasted me about a week um, before the, the battery was giving me a warning. Um, and then I was able to charge them in and, you know, charge them up. And luckily it was on the way home. Uh, if you'd been going in the morning and then not having headphones on the way back, I would have been pretty bummed out. 
Um, so we'll see that, what that happens, happens but... to me. I mean, if I'm traveling for work and I've got mm. maybe, I don't know, three hour train journey, it won't last the way back. So, yeah, it's quite frustrating to have, well, the idea of you being fixed to Bluetooth and not have the option of a, a 3.5 mil jack to have a backup set. That, I don't know how I would manage with that. Well, any any time you see a tech company removing features that work perfectly well and are perfectly well liked just for the sake of it, you have to kind of go, <coughs> what the what the f are you guys doing? <coughs> but should well, we it's, a, it's a sign that they've just got too popular when people can look at that and think, yeah, good idea. How? <laughs> well, because it's courage, man. It's all about the bravery to do it. Brilliant messaging. I have to, I'll give them that. Like, who thought that was going to be a good way of delivering the news? Love it. It is quite Absolutely good to, to, to claim credit because you're being courageous when you do something deeply unpopular is 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 uh, smart. so the cojones like, you know, just like grapefruit to try that. I love it. And it's like that the confidence to pull that off, then it conveys confidence and people believe you. And it's yeah. just, yeah, I just uh, wow. Like, amazing. It, it is like murdering your parents and then claiming mercy because you're an orphan. Like it's just yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I like that. Do you think anyone will follow suit? I mean, I can't see that they will because no one's got quite the walled garden that Apple have. No. Well, let me let me say something. Actually, there's a reason that this podcast isn't available in iTunes in an official capacity because I didn't want to put it in that piece of bloated bullshit. I mean, it's you can get it easy enough through your podcatchers, and I've got a couple of different methods for it. It doesn't need to be on the iTunes podcast store. It, it, it's just like, if you're using iTunes, and I'm a person that's had an iPhone for fucking forever, but I don't use iTunes anymore. I only use the phone interface. I never have it on my computer. It's horrible, horrible software. Um, so just like, there's there's a reason I don't want to support that bullshit. So I'm only, I'm only still on iPhone because I'm so locked into that fucking ecosystem because of all my music's in the cloud. And, you know, I use iTunes music as well. And it's just like, oh man, it's convenient, you know? So... Why would I want to change? So it's stupid. No, I'm, I'm angry at myself about that. I think it's time. To, I want a new joy. I would have got that new Samsung Galaxy, but it turns out it explodes. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe not a plan. I don't know. Let's just recall does. them all. It does Crazy. have a 3.5 mil jack, though. So you got, you got, you got bomb, <laughs> but headphones suck. Bomb. Headphones. Oh, we should recall that, shouldn't we? Yeah, all right. Um, but anyway, let's talk about the other big tech news that's a little bit more directly related to what we talk about here on BXB's Bits and Bobs. I'm talking about wrestling. No, I'm not talking about wrestling. Uh, I'm talking about Sony's big, big announcement that happened yeah, That happened um, in the week. Right. Well, I was expecting a two-hour thing, right? For a start, I sat down. I'm like, turn the Wi-Fi. I'm going to be watching this thing. It's going to probably run to about 10 o'clock. You'll have to put off watching the Bake Off, you know, without me. But, you know, you know, I want to watch it too, but I'm going to have to watch this because it's important for the site and I'm going to do a write-up and stuff. And it's like, oh, wow, it's done in 45 minutes. Okay, cool. But basically they came out and went, here's our uh, old console that now the PS4 is a PS4 Slim. And I immediately went, yeah, we saw that a couple of weeks ago, but thanks anyway. Oh, yeah. eBay told us, thank you. Yeah, my Gumtree told us. And then there was that great <laughs> chick on Kotaku who did a full sort of like review of it. I watched that and I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, you know, talking about, you know, companies removing something that's perfectly well liked for the sake of um, form factor. They decided out with the optical port on the Slim. Don't, don't need that anymore, except for all those thousands of people that use it to connect to their 5.1 um, systems and whatnot. But we're just going to rip that out. We don't need that. We don't need that. Can I ask a question about that? Is that still relevant? 
because I thought HDMI pretty much made that redundant now. A lot of, uh, well, it, it depends on how your home setup is, really, doesn't it? I mean, I don't it's use old it. old but... receivers that don't have HDMI or something. Um, I, I think some people would around. some people would argue that the the uncompressed, you know, the audio over an optical is going to be of a higher quality than what comes through the HDMI. Really? Um, is that yeah, like the gold yeah. HDMI is better than tin HDMI argument? But it, but it's a, but you know, see, you're you're defending this in a way, aren't you? Because it's like you know, the same way you yeah. you, you, you can't really though, you can't really defend it much like you can't defend what Apple did. So it's 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 a similar. I, it's a similar I think it's different with Apple. I mean, it, I. I, I might be wrong, but my opinion of um, optical outputs is that they're redundant now. They don't serve any yeah. purpose when you've got high resolution audio through HDMI. Then, Richard, why is there an optical port on the PS4 Pro? Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't. I don't know. I, See, it... so they they keep they put one on the Pro, but they've taken it off the slim. So let's talk about let's talk about the Pro. So what was known as Project Neo has now got an official name that looks like they Googled Pro, found a little logo, went, we'll use that. Uh, and that, and that's the branding they've gone for. It's like about 4.2 teraflops of power, I think I saw, whatever the fuck that means. I will tell you it's 1.8 teraflops less than Project yes. Scorpio. Yeah, I don't so know what it means. But I was going to oh. say, yeah, that means it's about 50% more powerful. Well, the, Scorp the Scorpio, Scorpio would be more, yeah. more powerful, yeah. But so you know, it's 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 interesting, but it's also like what whatever because we don't really know what Scorpio is. But let's talk about the pro. Focus on that a little bit. So they did this presentation. It was massively underwhelming. They showed a bunch of mostly games we've already seen and that are already out on this generation of hardware. Uh, and they told us over this compressed shitty stream that on 4K it looked really good. Oh, it's the thing. Um, I didn't understand what the point of this exercise was because the whole idea no. of this console is that, yes, the resolution's so much better, the color scaling is so much better. You've got brighter whites, you've got darker blacks, and so much more definition in between. See what we mean on this webcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it was, it was, it was hilarious and mind blowing, and like why. Why does this? Why are they trying to do this? I mean, it's like the whole the whole idea that these new consoles are going to be great on 4K and HDR. But what about the games? I mean, things look good already in 1080p when you can get it to 1080p. That that's something they're struggling with on the current generation of hardware to get 1080p and 60 or even 30 frames. So it's like you know, if your games are currently at 900 or even 720 and, and at 60, you know, the compromises you hear about every time a new big franchise gets released, you know, Gears of War is going to be 30 in single, but it's going to be 1080, but then it's going to be 900 in multiplayer, but it's going to be locked at 60. And you're like, well, how about we talk about how this shit at 1080 is going to be optimized before you tell me about how I have to buy a new fucking TV? They because kind of, they kind of hinted that there's going to be a similar sort of uncertainty around PS4 Pro releases. That mm -hmm. the, the improvements that will be evident won't be the same improvements across the board. Sometimes it might be resolution, it might be 4K, or maybe less. Or frame rate, or did you hear about the rumor that they might be charging uh, people to pay for a patch for the existing games and so that they can get them at the, the new resolution on the new hardware? So, for example, you own you own Uncharted Four, but you want it to be as bells and whistles on your on your PS4 Pro. You might have to pay to make that happen. So you're essentially buying a like visual upgrade pack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
that's yeah. the Nintendo philosophy. That's <laughs> I'm just not seems sure how that sells. That's I, that's I, a difficult sell. For example, I don't think Microsoft would ever try that. Uh, where they are currently in the market and the way they've been marketing how it's games across all the hardware, I can't. I just where can't they are now, see them they doing absolutely it. Absolutely wouldn't. No. Um, I think this has lost PlayStation quite a lot of goodwill. I mean, the, looking at the specs, the fact that they've said no, no UHD disc support in the console, a one terabyte hard drive. That you know, is it's big, crazy, man. Um, ticket item thing that you would take for granted in this device. It's worth pointing out that it doesn't have that. It cannot play 4K Blu-rays. That seems ludicrous to me. In a device that, <laughs> that I didn't know that. Oh, my that. God. It's that's, unbelievable, that's isn't it? From, from If you think back to the PS4 launch when their big <laughs> announcement was, yeah, we can st- we're still going to sell you discs. We're not going to restrict you to digital services and have that behind uh, DRM. You can just get discs and swap them with your mates. Yeah, and now yeah. you, can't, you can't even use... The console that is designed for 4K, you can't play 4K discs on it. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was, I mean, the Xbox One S does have yeah. a 4K drive, and that's not even the 4K and the, top, top spec console for Xbox. And the, the Xbox One S I bought had a two terabyte hard drive. How is there not a two terabyte hard drive going to be in the, the Pro? I mean, to put a one terabyte drive in there. I understand how easy it has been historically to swap out the drives on, on PlayStations. But how can you not be putting that in there at that at this price with this skew with this this is the ultimate you know gaming thing? It's just like what is that, man? It just seems mental. They're selling it as a premium product, yeah. but in almost every category, you think really is that all? Yeah. Um, you shouldn't be thinking that from their top spec premium products. I mean, in, if they're offering this against the regular PS4, it should be significantly better than the PS4, and it it just doesn't do what. I would the, want it to do. I'm not sure what the selling point is. The other, the other sort of interesting walkbacks they've been making on comments about about 4K, for example, is that oh, certain games, certain developers, we hope that they will mm-hmm. go for 4K. We hope they'll try for 4K or attempt 4K. And it's like there's a lot of like caveats appearing. And I think that's why the presentation we saw was so strange and underwhelming. And I love really vague, vague, yeah, and vague as well. I mean, the, the, oh, the, 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 spec sheet, that... the spec sheets did all come out like that day, but and there are detailed spec sheets. But yeah, I, I just think it's it's undercooked and it seems like it's a, a bit of an odd thing to do. Why not give it another year, put it up against the Scorpio, but then put it up against the Scorpio with a similar spec sheet? It just yeah. seems it just seems like an odd move. Really uh, having your cake and eating it, you know, they want people to rebuy. They want people to buy a new bit of hardware, but not really get a big improvement. I guess um, they want the price advantage, don't they? Because I'm guessing when Scorpio yeah. comes out, it's going to cost a lot. Right, I'm going to talk in dollars because I, I can't I can't remember what the UK stuff is and it's fluctuating wildly anyway at the moment. So who knows what the actual price will be for us in the UK when hardware does come out? But it's three nine nine US for for PS4 three, Pro. Three four um, nine. No, I'm pretty sure it's three nine nine. No, in pounds it's three four nine. Oh, is it? All right, okay. So I mean, the, the interesting thing is, I also heard that like, people were like, "Oh, what is all this shit with the specs?" And then they hear the price and they go, "Oh, well, I'll buy one anyway. It's only that much." You know, it's it, so they have priced it at an imp, an impulse buy. Uh, I think that's a bit generous, but they priced it at a point where it's quite easy to swallow. Uh, you know, as as a purchase, for, you know, if you were looking for some new electronics. But I, honestly, right now, I want I want a Scorpio because I want the latest best piece of tech when it comes out next year. But I, I have started asking myself without a 4K TV, though I would like one. But the missus is like, you know, no, basically no. What's wrong with our TV right now? 
you've got that. You've got two 1080p fucking monitors, you know, as well as the laptop. Why uh, 1080p? Why the fuck do you need 4K? And it's a fair question. The games aren't gonna be any better. They're gonna be the same games. That's the whole point, isn't it? It's like these games are gonna work across <laughs> everything. So you're gonna get slightly, you know, for example, they showed Horizon Zero Dawn, which looks like it's gonna be an amazing PlayStation exclusive from Gorilla. I can't wait to play that. But you know, one thing they showed was that the big thing they could show for that when it's like the new specs is that. Oh, you're going to get a bit more grass and flowers and the foliage density. Yeah, it's kind of and a chicken like, and egg thing, isn't whatever. it? You're, you're looking to get a TV that will justify the console, that will justify the TV. Either yeah. of them is worthless on its own, really. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I think I've, I'm, I'm halfway through that battle, though. The wife is happy to get one next year. It seems. Well, I, I was talking to her on Facebook, and she didn't seem to even think you were going to get an Xbox One S. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I don't know, mate. She seemed a bit on the fence about all this, you know. <laughs> I'll put in a good word for you, though. All right, I'll put in a good word. Uh, I'll make it say like, "Well, for the site, he needs it for the site." Um, so you know, I'll, I'll stress that he's got important games to review. Yeah. So it's like. <laughs> so, um, so I have a question. She doesn't even realise what she's buying. That's the thing. It's on, <laughs> on pre-order. It is coming. Whatever she says. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to wait till Christmas, don't you? I remember you saying, yeah. Yeah. Well, go on, Adam. Question. I have a question. You're both more console gamers than I am. Are, yes. Are you not concerned that both the Scorpio and the PS4 Pro represent a kind of move towards the PCification of console gaming, if that makes sense as a statement? In that what you're essentially seeing now is new hardware is coming out that isn't a new platform where everything starts from scratch, like the Xbox 360 was and the Xbox One was, kind of back in time forever. This is now just upgraded um, original hardware. So it's like, you can carry on with the Xbox One, but it's going to be a bit shit compared to the Scorpio. And But there's not going to be any games that are exclusive to Scorpio, right? It's just... It's just well, gonna, they say not. The games that exist right maybe. now are going to have a bit more horsepower available to them that they might use a bit, maybe. There will Iterative be. console hardware. Iterative console hardware, yeah. It, just, it feels very PC-ish to me. It feels very kind of like... You know, well, if you've got a better graphics card, you can have a bit more grass. Like, that's basically it. It does feel like that, but you've got to remember they're jumping on a very specific opportunity to take advantage of 4K's um, sort of ascendance. So last generation, we had the 360 PS3. They both came out around the same time as HDTVs and popularized HDTVs. So this time around, although we waited a long time for this generation to kick off, um, in terms of television technology, they came out a bit early. Mm. So I, I think it, it's just catching that wave of 4K popularity as it sort of grows over the next year, which makes sense. I'm not sure whether that will be repeated from now on. Every two two years, we're going to get a new revision. So it's just to tie in with the new tellies. I, I, I think that's a good point, Richard. And I, I think that, that speaks quite strongly to why the PS4 Pro is underpowered. Um, the fact that the, the the Scorpio has got this this power under the you know that you know like you said Xbox One S is going to be able to do 4K video right straight away right that's not going to be a problem that's you know it's got the UHD drive it could do it right it won't be able to do games the Scorpio is going to come along with this you know amazing amount of power supposedly under the hood uh, and that means when we get further into this new cycle um, you're going to see it potentially pull away. Um, with what it's able to do from the PS4. Once developers get past just the idea of, let's make everything 4K and really pretty, and then you maybe see them actually find other uses of the horsepower, they're going to be hamstrung a little bit 
uh, by the power of PS4. But the concern there is that PlayStation are going to have the install base. They're going to they're going to grab. They're going to have could be out a year before uh, Scorpio. They're going to sell a lot of units because it's a cheaper price, and that therefore it's going to be the primary development platform. Which means games, unless they're exclusives, will not take advantage potentially of that extra 1.8 teraflop of power, whatever the fuck that means in the uh in the scorpio so there's a lot to see what happens and it's a complicated mess and it's kind of bullshit that we're getting a new generation and it should it should be about look at the game experiences that a generation can give you it shouldn't just be about look at the new higher resolutions that just doesn't mean much to me i just can't get excited about that you know i'm actually right now i'm actually most excited about the nintendo nx i was gonna say what that's gonna be that's what you're looking for then eyes need yeah. to be on what nintendo do next yeah no it is it is well uh, exactly and i'm i know the, the the missus is excited like it, she's not been before like wasn't for the wii or the wii u and she's excited because she likes handheld gaming and this is going to be this crazy mishmash of handheld and home console that sounds fascinating i can't wait to see what the fuck that is i'm i am proper excited about where where nintendo is going and i want to be back on nintendo you know back in that Back in those sort of that gaming halcyon days of yore when I was a kid, yeah. uh, which, I, which I really miss, you know. And it seems yeah. like such a good idea that I have to remind myself they haven't actually said that's what it is. <laughs> they haven't said shit. I hope to God that it's that it's actually true. Yeah, me, me too, me too. I say one thing: the best thing, the best thing to come out of this uh, PlayStation little meeting, Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I'm so excited. Um, first time we saw actual gameplay. It was a bit weird that it was there that we saw that gameplay, but, you know, I'll take it. I'm not going to complain. Um, and it looks great. And there's a couple of new tidbits. The male and female protagonists, instead of you choosing one or the other, they're actually siblings. And the other one, so, for example, you pick the guy, uh, the guy rider. Uh, the girl rider will still be in the game, and she will be um, an NPC and stuff like that, whether or not you're going to get to customize her appearance as well, we don't know or anything like that yet, but I think that's the idea of the dual protagonist thing a little bit, Assassin's Creed Syndicate-y, though you won't get to play as both, I think that's that's great. I love that, the the sibling uh, dynamic you can get in storytelling like that. I th- well, as somebody who has a brother and stuff, I find it um, I find it really compelling and interesting when you explore those dynamics. Do you um, not worry about how they're going to differentiate the experience between those two characters now? Because I, I, I don't think they will. I think depending think on who. Part, they well, if, if they're siblings rather than the same character with a different gender, mm. presumably they're going to have different character uh, story arcs. They're going to. No, I, I don't think they will. I just think they'll swap it because I don't think gender matters in Mass Effect. They've they've already kind of shown that it, it is totally unimportant for the story. Uh, that characters should interact and react to you in the well, same that, way regardless of gender. That's because, exactly you know, they're all my aliens, point. So. That's exactly my point. That's how Mass Effect should be. So it's mm. just slightly concerning to me that they might. You're worried they'll go the other way, and yeah. yeah. Well, well, we'll see. I mean, hopefully that will stick to its early next year release window. Now that we're actually seeing it, I mean, it looks really nice. I mean, <laughs> they said it looked great in HDR and 4K. Who the fuck knows if it did? But I'm sure it did look lovely. Uh, it looked it pretty so good funny. on the stream. So yeah, it looked it looked great on the 1080. Well, I say 1080p stream. It wasn't, was it? It's like no. what, what what res are we getting that stream in? It was. I watched it on YouTube for Christ's sake. It probably looked like crap. So you know, um, was, still the funniest nice. thing about that stream was the HDR stuff, where you could actually see the difference. And you're like, fuck off! It's fixed then, isn't it? If I can see the HDR difference on a web stream, you're faking it, mate. 
Well, that bit where he's like, look at it, look at this sunset. And then it was like, boom, and it all got blown out. Look at how good it is in HDR. I'm like, that looks like shit. That looks like shit. Why would I want that? That looks horrible. That's fucking awful. What are you doing? I, I will say that I could listen to Mark Cerny talk forever. He has got yeah. a very chilled voice. I love his delivery. He and you know I respect that man a lot. He's got a great history and development. Adam, do you know? Do you have any uh, any little stories about Mark Cerny? I mean, you have some great love for no. Peter you, So I was wondering if you had any. Uh, <laughs> no, any I've, never, I've never met anyone who's met him. I, ha- I have nothing. Okay, but you know, Fair enough. good throw. But yeah, I can't catch it because no. I've got nothing. No. Oh, that's been, so it's our, our pet developer. It's always worth asking. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's always worth asking. just in case. But yeah, Mass Effect looked. Yeah, my the the, the bit uh, Brit Xbox, as I should say, franchise or game of the generation of last generation. So I am very excited to see what they do with that. Um, before we before we I throw over to you guys basically to talk about the games you've been playing. I've got I've actually gone a bit news heavy this time around, which is strange for me. I've I've got all kinds of bits of bobs. Um, have you been playing around PSVR? While we're still on PlayStation areas. In what? Because it's, it's out in like two weeks. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> care. By the next time we record, it will be out, won't it? Pro- yeah, yeah, sounds... I thought it was October, but all right. Or maybe after... Yeah, all right then. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's coming Soon. out pretty quickly. I just thought yeah. it's notable that no one is talking about it, and I can't think of a game coming out, so... It's weird that... That's, uh, that's going to uh, do well. I thought they would have given it a big thing at the meeting, but they just basically said, yeah, yeah if you... VR on the Pro will be better because there's more horsepower. Hmm. Well, duh. You know, it's like, I think it's going to struggle quite a lot on the 4. I mean, as it is, Actually, I mean... Mm. Yeah, go, on, that, go on. That can't be true. Um, it, like, if if you make a game that works in VR on the base platform, you can't really upgrade it for uh, Pro. Uh, Pro. Actually, let's, let's get this straight. You could, but the problem is that in VR... If you have a like frame rate problems that would just be kind of like oh it dropped a few frames there on a normal monitor platform, in VR those problems make you throw up very very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So when you make a game in VR, and I know this from talking to people who are making games in VR, those technical aspects that normally you can kind of fudge a bit, they are your life when you make a VR game. So the idea that developers are going to be making sure that the game is playable without inducing incredible headaches and nausea on the base platform, and then find something to do with this extra horsepower, I think it's, it's going just to be resolution, possible. Adam. That's what I heard. Because you're right, frame rates just—it's not negotiable on VR. No, it it's absolutely to, not it negotiable. Has to work. Um, it has so to be. I think from from your experience, Ben, the resolution that you had when you tried it out was <laughs> great, was it? So no, it was, it was it was pretty unimpressive. Yeah, yeah. So it I can see that great. they can beef that up with some more horsepower, but that's pretty much all it's going to be. Uh, the other magic that Sony seems to be doing is somehow patching in HDR to all existing PS4s, mm. um, which they've said they're going to do. And I didn't think that would be possible, but. They've said in some form that's what's going to be happening, HDR support for all. But then again, it's like they've said, yeah, but no developers are probably going to support it, so whatever. Uh, it's kind of just like, <laughs> well, what the fuck's the point? But yeah, I don't know how that, that works because, yeah, all right. I don't know. Maybe that's possible. But I like, I like, I was following a lot of the responses of Microsoft's um, Aaron Greenberg and stuff like that as, as this was happening. And he was like, yeah, we'll, um, we look forward to seeing how they do that. 
because <laughs> we we're pretty sure you can't do that. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay, okay. Then again, you guys said, you know, you couldn't make 360 games backwards compatible onto the Xbox One. You found a way. Well, Phil, Phil Spencer made, said, make it happen, and they did. So, you know, nah. I don't know. So, so, However, so smoke works, and mirrors. I'd, yeah. It's probably a fair guess that it's going to be a fudge of some kind. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like they're gunning for um, really top quality results. It's just saying they've got it out there, right? Yeah, I, I I think so. It's it's a talking point. It's a yeah. it's a bullet point to add to the the PlayStation 4's marketing, isn't it? Um, I'm mean, I mean, no, there's no easy way to segue this. Have you been playing around, Richard, on the the new preview build on Xbox with clubs and stuff? I had a go. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't, there's two BXB clubs. I don't know why. There is. I, I know why. Because goddamn Paul was too quick. Did he jump the gun? But he, he did. He did. But I, and I mean by minutes because <laughs> I was on there the first night on that, and he fucking grabbed that, and I'm like, you shit. And I, so I had to put like a disclaimer to say this isn't associated because I didn't know it was him at the time. He had a private club set up and then he's put a thing in his description. Basically, as soon as it goes public, the the option to delete the club and the option to rename it isn't there right now. It's all in preview, but he's going to he's going to sort it out for us. So don't worry about that. But yeah, we have a, an official uh, BXB club now on Xbox, much like there is. What do they call them in, on PlayStation? There's an equivalent, isn't there? In the, in the friends. Communities, yeah. You're being one of those, so feel feel free to join on the on the PlayStation. Um, and unless you're in the preview uh, build on uh, Xbox, you won't be able to do that anyway. But I, I think it's a nice idea, uh, and it connects to this kind of looking for parties thing for multiplayer. And you know, and, and gives you like a little community hub if you want for whatever reason. For you know, it can be game specific or for in our case, you know, website specific, which I think is uh, yeah, nice little feature and seems to work quite well. Obviously, it's preview and there's a a few bugs and problems in there at the moment, but uh, I was enjoying messing around with it. Um, I, spent some I really time like the idea of it. The, um, the look mm. for group feature is the big one for me. Well, that was a great idea. Well, occasionally, if you just uh, accepted my party invites to play games with me, Richard, you might not actually have to look for random people to play games with. Just saying, just saying, you do watch a lot of TV. So, uh, you know, that's fine. I do watch a lot of TV. I've set up my looking for uh, group and my criteria is not Ben. Not Ben. <laughs> that's fine. I'll go watch. That's that's fine. <laughs> Where you know you you can you can shun me. That's that's not a problem. I might not send you any more really cool games to review, like the one you're currently uh, playing, and we'll talk about shortly. Uh, no. But that, that's that's fine. That's fine. We can we can we can restrict that. That's not a problem at all. I did want to mention before I let you uh, talk about that. I've uh, I've got I've got, I wasn't able to keep the habit. I've uh, been pulled back into a certain game, Richard. Destiny. Uh, I'm back in Destiny. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> I put about uh, three hours in last night, and right now I want to be playing it and not talking to you guys. I'll be honest with you. Um, do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm farming engrams so that when um, the, the new you know content comes out, I can cash them all in and get a bunch of higher light new drops. Oh, so well, I'm currently farm. It worked with the last one, so you know maybe maybe it will. Yeah, so I'm just running the strike playlist and farming the M-Grams. And uh, I was looking at the old navigator, the map screen, and going, oh, look, there's new locations. It's all up on there. You can't go anywhere yet, but it's like all the Rise of Iron stuff is, is starting to appear on there and stuff, and it's all very exciting. When do um, we get it? I think that was next week. 20th, 20th of September, yeah. So I think it's next week, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, whoa. yes, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for more Destiny. I don't know why it's been two years of the same game, ostensibly, which isn't even a great game. But I am. The, the, God damn it. The core shooting of that game is so good. So I'm running a strike playlist last good. night. 
I'm running a strike playlist. I had to stop, and I came back, and then I ran the strike playlist again, and it did it again. I had the fucking Omnigal strike, right? You know the one. Hmm. It's not a good strike, and yet I'm, I'm still enjoying myself, Richard. I'm still enjoying it. Playing with just playing with randoms, and I'm having a good time. It's weird, isn't it? It's a weird game. It is, it is actually good shooting. Weird. And when a blue engram pops out or a purple engram, or I had a couple of exotics pop for me last night as well, I'm like, oh, you have things. And I get, I get all excited. Adam is just confused and dismayed. No, no, I'm not confused. It's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? I've listened to enough people which are about Destiny to recognise all the words. Don't worry. <laughs> well, recognise all the words and all the, you know, the, the, the problems it indicates in those people's brains. Yeah. <laughs> so that's MMOs, man, they, you know, they get under your skin and they turn you into a, a husk of a man. It's fine. It's not even. It's not even. <laughs> oh come on. The content yes, is. isn't even... Yeah, but I know what you're saying about the mechanics, but I'm not trying to defend it. I'm just trying to say, I'm actually pointing it out as a negative. It's like an MMO has content. An MMO has story and, you know, loops to it, and there's different locations. There are very few locations in this. Right. There is an, no story. An MMO has that content for about 5% of its lifetime with most players, and then they get into the end game grind, and that's what Destiny is. Destiny just yeah. starts the end game grind much earlier. I think that's quite kind of you, but yeah, you, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I think we were just expecting. I, I think as console gamers, we have um, we were surprised by it. I suppose, don't you say, Richard? It was yeah to have that kind of gaming experience. It's very different, but it certainly worked very, very well for them. So, I'm very looking forward to Rise of Iron. Right, some time for somebody else to talk about games. I want Adam to talk for a bit, Richard, because he's not said much. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right, so. Options. I can talk start? about lots of games. Lots of games, Adam. I could talk about any of the games I've reviewed for the site recently. Yeah, um, many of which were sort of similar. Or there's two. There's a game I've reviewed today. I've uh, submitted the, the text for it today. Or I could talk about the obsession that has taken over my life for the last week. <laughs> well, I so suspect you pick. I suspect the game you've done as a fun review, not code I sent you, is probably more positive than. All the other ones I did actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's five stars, yeah. and it's you know, mm. I was pretty sure when I was playing it, it was going to be my game of the year, and then this week happened, and it's now going to be my game of the year in second place. <laughs> Bloody hell! All right, we'll talk about talk about those two, and we'll, we right. can we can throw back to the other stuff. Uh, if we want. So I have been playing Duskers, and I've been playing RimWorld. Let's talk about Duskers first. Duskers is a <laughs> game in which sorry, Rim. Rim. I said Rim, yes. I did indeed say Rim. I'll say Rim a lot in a bit. So. <laughs> Get it out your system. Um, yeah, so Duskers is a sci-fi kind of survival game with a very sort of sci-fi horror sort of bent. Um, he says, <laughs> you said bent. <laughs> bent. I, I, I'm going to just give up in a minute. <laughs> I'm sorry. I only did that because because Richard Children. it up with the... Yeah, I'm, Sorry, that, 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 no more, no more. Talk about I your mean, bent rim. Right. Talk about your bent rim, Adam. Come on. Yes, yes. Get on with it. Come on. So pathetic. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is what happens when you've got no script. Yes. <laughs> Just because he's like the best Event Horizon game ever made, like he's basically my claim. Um, you know the opening sequence of Event Horizon, where they're all, yes, there's a well. ship, it's disappeared for years, it's reappeared, no one knows what's happened, and they go on board, and fuck knows, could be anything in there. Duskers is that, over oh. and over and over and over again. You are a spaceship, you have very little fuel left, 
you're in desperate straits, and you are surrounded by the lifeless husks of derelicts in your, these sectors, and you fly between them, and you send your little salvage drones on to board them, strip them of valuables, use it to try and keep your system going for another week or so, and move on to the next one. And so you like this kind of nomadic team of robots, essentially. Um, the thing that's special about Dusk is, and why I'm so in love with it, is the entire game is played through a command line interface. Many of the people listening to this probably don't even really know what that means. Command line interface is DOS, right? It's type commands with a keyboard. So to board a spaceship, you will have a little schematic of the spaceship, and you will type A1, which will open airlock 1. And then you will type navigate 1, R3, which will navigate drone 1 to room R3. It's kind of like playing a game with that little BBC turtle that used to draw the lines on the floor logo. It's kind of like that. Like you are essentially just typing these commands. And immediately what this means, it sounds very cumbersome, but what this means straight away is there is no distinction between in-game character and you sat at your computer screen. Mm. You are literally doing this. So amazing things happen. If you mistype a door you intend to open, well, then that uh, the wrong door opens, <laughs> you know? And yeah. if shit starts to go wrong on a spaceship and you're panicking, you've got to type your way out of it. You've got to get the commands right, and you don't. You type navifate, and now the game just says, well, I don't know what that means. What do you mean, navifate? I don't have a command for that. Oh, shit, navigate, navigate, navigate. And so you get this like really nice sense of panic. Combine this with a game that paces itself exactly like the openings of all those films. You know, it's exactly like the style of Alien or like um, Aliens or anything like that. You have your drones. They have onboard cameras. You can switch to these camera feeds. Sometimes those camera feeds fail. You don't know why. <laughs> so you'll be there and you go, oh, the camera on Drone 2 just went. Someone should go and check on Drone 2. Huh. I don't know what's happening. And so you go and check on Drone 2. And 95% of the time... Drone 2's camera's just broken. It's fine. It's just an electrical short, and you'll fix it when they come back on board. But Drone 2 doesn't have a camera anymore. Sometimes Drone 2's not there anymore, and you don't know why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sometimes great. there's things on the spaceship. Sometimes there isn't. Oh, it's fantastic. It's just, it's so, like, you're immediately in this cinematic experience of you know, a lot of the vessels they have. There's usually something on there that you need to worry about, but not necessarily a monster, not necessarily anything serious. So there's this amazing sense of this building tension, and some vessels are just quiet, and you just strip everything and you just leave. And those quiet moments, they just set you up for the fall, where there is something nasty lurking in the darkness, and drones start disappearing and you go into rooms, and the schematic map you've got of the level just happens to mention there's an open vent in this room. I don't know why you need to know that, but I'm just telling you that fact. Just think about that for the next hour while you strip this spaceship of all its stuff. You know? <laughs> oh, it's just brilliant. It just builds this incredible tension all the time. It's Sounds just like fantastic. It's a fantastic atmosphere. What's the long-term objective, then? Is it just... Clearing ship up. Well, so it's with... essentially it's a roguelike. So the long-term objective is to survive for as long as you can. Um, and as you board the ships, you can find 
um, like broken drones that you can tow back and then repair, and now you've got an extra drone on your team. You can find gadgets and gear for your drones to use, which means they get a broader suite of like, abilities. Uh, and mostly what you're trying to collect is fuel and scrap. Do you, um, do you start to grow connected to your drones? Oh, absolutely. You can name them, and they become quite sort of important to you. And, you, you. and often you refer to them by name. So the names you give them, A, they matter because you're typing them all the time, so you're always aware of what your drones are called. But B, you start to... One of the things I love about this game is that you start to really optimise your workflows, like, which sounds like a really boring thing. But you get good at this. You get much more efficient. When you start out, you're clumsy on the keyboard, and your commands are all, all wrong. And, like, I can watch... like There's lots of people let's play in this on Twitch because it makes for good jump-out-your-skin type moments. Um, and if you watch someone who's just started playing the game, I've got, like, 35 hours in space salvaging these vessels now. If I watch someone who's only been playing for a couple of hours, it's unbearable. I'm just, like, everything you are doing is wrong and slow... Mm. Why haven't you set up aliases yet? Why have you shut that door? That door needs to be open. You've shut off your route back to the airlock. That might matter in a few minutes. Yes, that, that is a funny sound that door's making. I know what it means. Why are you still stood by the door? The one. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, it's just... And so there's this brilliant sense of, like, you improve over time. I, oh, God. Game of the year. I don't want to talk at all about the stuff that can actually happen because one of the things that's great is that when you first start out, you don't know. And so there's this constant kind of shadow of, like, doubt over everything. So, and I don't want to spoil any of that for anyone who might play it. So, so what you're saying is you've become the guy in the Hawaiian shirt in the first Alien film? Yes, that's absolutely what I am. And the whole user interface is done in that kind of 80s sci-fi computer system right. style. I've, I've seen some video of it, and it does... Like, does really cool like i want to give it a go also watch some of the trailers they've done for it because the trailers are just fantastic and they sum the game up beautifully it just drips with atmosphere it's so good so this was this was game of the year and it's now been my game of the year it's now been kicked off of game of the year and well basically what happened is i got paid so i bought two games i was really excited to play duskus was the first one i bought and i played that and i was like man this game's amazing and then i bought the second game which is rim world haha it says rim Right, RimWorld. I don't know what you mean, Adam. Why would we find and that out? <laughs> and this is like my game of the year. It's probably in my top five games of all time. All I have done for the last week is play this game till about four o'clock in the morning every night. I'm living a full teenage lifestyle again now <laughs> because of RimWorld. Oh my God, RimWorld. Um, where do we even start to describe it? So it's essentially, it's another sci-fi game. You are a bunch of colonists who have crash-landed on a planet. And it's like a management building type game. You have to construct a viable place for them to live, essentially. And so you've got kind of base building aspects that work a lot like Prison Architect, if anyone's played that. Yeah. You're laying down walls and blueprints and putting down flooring and building furniture and all that sort of stuff. At the same time, you're setting like work schedules so that like colonists know what to do when. And you're trying to put together a viable place for them to live. Now, what makes RimWorld unique, first of all, is the colonists themselves. When you click on a colonist, you can pull up a data screen, which is about four tabs deep. And so your colonists, first of all, they have a set of skills. This is how good they are, all the things they can do. How good are they at shooting? How good are they at building? How good are they at crafting? You know, are they good at growing crops? How do they handle animals? How are they socializing? All this sort of stuff. But the numbers that are there are informed by their backstory. The game randomly generates a couple of pieces of backstory for them. 
you can find out what, they were, what their childhood was like and what their adulthood has been like up to now. For example, you might have a colonist who was homeless, lived on the streets of some city planet um, all through their childhood. And then at the bottom of this little bit of blurb describing what happened to them on the city planet in their childhood, it will say, this means uh, plus five shooting, plus five melee, minus five social, um, will not, cannot, can never grow crops, doesn't know how to grow crops at all, never seen agriculture in their life. And so straight away, your, your characters have got a lot more to them than your pawns in the average kind of management game. They each have this very individual backstory and sense of who they are. And this is reinforced further by traits, which give them extra bonuses to mood whenever certain things happen. And so as well as managing your colonies like food and power and keeping everyone alive, you also have to manage your colonists' moods because each colonist has different desires and they want different things in their life. And so they can become happy or sad. And if they become too sad, they can have mental breaks which can be anything from going and sobbing in their room for a day and not doing any work to grabbing the nearest weapon and going fucking postal through your colony. So you care. You care about their mood. Their mood system is the most complex thing I've ever seen in my life. There are... I've, it's endless, the things you can see in the list of buffs and debuffs on their current mood number. So they have a number that shows the mood they're in, and then you'll have, like, plus 20, fallen in love plus five, ate a good meal recently, plus five, beautiful environment, plus three, sitting on a comfortable chair, minus three, bit dark in this room, minus three, room's a bit dirty, minus ten, friend recently died. You, know, you see what I mean? Like, So you've got this whole system, and everything that's happened up to now can be affecting their colonist mood. That's just the system for running your colonists and their morale and, the, and their skills. Every system in this game is this complex. There are native animals on the planet. You can hunt them. You can tame them. They hunt each other. They hunt you if you let them. Sometimes they go mad and attack your base. You, when you tame them, like, if you tame chickens, they can lay eggs. If you have a male and a female chicken, they can lay fertilized eggs. If you incubate those eggs, they hatch and little chicks come out. You can sell those chicks or you can let them grow up to be more chickens. You can train them. You can train an army of attack chickens if you want. <laughs> you can train your pigs to haul coal out of the mine you've established. Like the, every system, there's a whole medical system that's super complicated. The end result of all these systems is this game generates emergent random stories like no game I've ever played. And I'm fighting every urge in my body is to just sit here and tell you story after story after story from my colonies. From the chicken that I was trying to raise that got struck by lightning, caught fire overnight, <laughs> ran around my base built entirely of wood, and burnt the entire thing to the fucking ground. <laughs> that is a thing that happened. <clears throat> or there's a colonist in my current game called Moss. He has the trait prostophile which means he really wants a bionic limb. If you look at his medical tab, before he even joined my colony, he has an old gunshot wound on his right leg. This gunshot wound causes him continual mild pain. He always has 5% in his pain tab. You don't have to do much work with that in your own head to kind of build a story about this guy who has been injured in the leg and now desperately wants it replaced with a bionic part so he can finally be free of this nagging pain that's been with him all his life. Like... Everything this game does does that sort of thing where it just generates these stories and the more you look deeply into things and the more you invest in it, but the more it just returns to you with these brilliant things. 
Uh, what are some other great stories? My entire colony got malaria and ended up like bedridden for days, and then bandits just kicked the door in and carried them all off and had to start a new colony. That's <laughs> a thing that happened. Like you can even some of the stuff. I, I don't want to oversell that the game can get really dark, but it it absolutely can get dark. Like when my um, colonists all got malaria. For a while, the cook was out of action, the guy who actually cooks the meals, and I didn't notice, and we ran out of food. And I only discovered we'd run out of food because I found all the graves I'd dug at the back. One of them had been dug up, and there was a half-eaten corpse sat on the dining room table. Oh. <laughs> my can my, my goodness had turned to cannibalism while I wasn't looking. Oh, man. And, like... So everything's like this. It was such oh my game of the fucking decade. This is so good. I am in love with this game and it's, the way it's I interesting, can't really describe. It's interesting because it's almost like they've they've built something so complicated and obtuse that yeah. it's it's got so many interwoven systems yeah. that it's creating these by accident narratives and events yeah. and. And everything. Exactly it's, it. It, it almost sounds like it's a game by accident. Like they, they had just a crazy spreadsheet well, and went game, and, and it became a game. And it's like I don't yeah. even. But I, I'm obviously that's selling it completely short. But um, I've exactly. heard people comparing it to Dwarf Fortress. But think of it as Dwarf Fortress with graphics. Yeah, basically, it's, it's a lot like Dwarf Fortress. If anyone knows Dwarf Fortress, it does remind me of that, but playable by normal humans. I mean, obviously, with this level of complexity in place. There's a bit of a learning curve. Like your first go, yeah. you spend a lot of time going, wait, but why? Why is that person not doing any of the stuff I think they should be doing? And eventually you learn to kind of manage priorities and stuff. But I mean, I haven't even touched on like there's a medical system in there where you can perform operations on your colonists, including fitting them with peg legs or amputating limbs. And about halfway through my second colony, I realized that when you take a prisoner from a bandit raid, they count as a colonist, so you can also perform operations on them. So for a while, I would send all the bandits who attacked me that I captured back to their base, missing their arms, so they couldn't <laughs> attack me. That is so fucked up! I thought you were going to go with, like, medical experiments or something. No, no. That's well, so much arms. Just, hey, I'll go back now. Now you can't ever fight again usefully. Hold head, on, didn't, 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 they tell the other, didn't they other tell the other bandits, don't fucking attack them, <laughs> because they'll capture you and cut off your fucking arms. I mean, that, that, that was what I was hoping for, yes. <laughs> I guess bandits aren't too bright, let's, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then that's, am like, that's amazing. And man. the great thing about that is, obviously, if you have a single colonist who's really good at medicine, you're putting all your eggs in one basket, but they need someone to practice on. So you have your second in command, he needs to get some practice doing uh, like surgery, which is a great XP boost because it's really complex. Fucking prisoners, get, him, get busy on them. You can harvest their organs and sell them on the black market if you want. Oh, my you God. Do, like, and again, I don't oversell the darkness because you don't have to do any of this. This is just me being sick. And <laughs> I'm remembering the hilarity now. Of, like, the, This is the police review where I was offended by... I was literally about to say that. I was literally the, about to say the, that. The yeah. difference is that game forced you to do it, whereas this game just says, look, right, here are your options... <laughs> go nuts! Like, you can do these things. Talking of want. nuts, they go for four hundred credits on the black market. Well, you can't actually cut people's testicles off. They should add that in the next patch. That would be good. <laughs> Send I them should... a suggestion. All right, 
Another great story. Um, we were attacked by Manny in Rhinos, who had gone mad because of some psychic drone or something. And we Heard killed it. two of them. <laughs> but one of them was just knocked unconscious in the battle. And so I thought, well, why not? So I captured him and nursed him back to health. And so they had this insane rhino trapped in a cell that was just going <laughs> ballistic trying to break out. Next time bandits raid, I built a door around the back, just opened the door, sent a fucking insane rhino, half mad, starving to death, charging at the bandits. It took about three of them out before they killed it. I didn't have to do anything. I just All my colonists were just sat back in the base smoking joints while this insane rhino just killed the entire bandit raid. And again, there's no like, there's no option in the game build terrifying rhino release trap, but but you can do it because of the way the modular systems all interact. It's so good. I just I'm in love with it. It's the I I don't mean this in a flippant way, but it's the kind of job that it's the kind of job, it's the kind of game I would play if I lost my job. It's like I I oh, no, want yeah. I would want to put so much time into a game like that. I, I just I just think back to when I was a young and playing like Civilization and stuff like that. Like you said, till four in the morning and stuff every day and just playing 12 hours a day of it and stuff. And it, that, that kind of that kind of experience mm. it just sounds amazing. Does it feel fair? Because some of the stories you've described feel pretty cataclysmic and out of control and unpredictable. So does it feel like so, you've just pulled the rug out from you? When you first set the game up, you have to you have lots and lots of options. And again, another thing I love about this game is there's so much like normally with a game like this, you finish your first colony and you go, okay, I've seen the whole tech tree, I've solved all the puzzles, done. But not in this game. This game lets you set up all kinds of crazy alternatives. So the first colony I had was in a temperate forest. I was just in an area with loads of resources. It was great, very stable on the equator of the planet. It was lovely. Second colony, I'm in the middle of a rainforest. Immediately, all the animals around me are different. Immediately, all the the like natural resources are different, um, and the weather conditions are very different. And that makes a huge difference to how I'm building everything. One of the options you get when you first set up a game is you choose the AI storyteller, and the AI storyteller um, controls the random events that occur and um, sets the sort of level of them. And you can choose from one that hits you quite hard does like mean things to you, but then gives you a lot of time to recover. You can choose one that just gradually builds up and up and up, and then you can choose one that's just completely fucking random, and it says, like, may well just burn your colony down, tough shit. Like, so you have options. You have a save game as well. You can save scum relentlessly if you want to avoid these sorts of things from happening. And in fairness, like, the chicken burning my entire house down that was my fault. Like, I built that thing out of wood. I didn't have to use wood. I could have used any number of other materials that weren't highly flammable. <laughs> so, you know, like a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it is the game sort of teaches you things by beating you up. But it's kind of also in that Dwarf Fortress mold where failure is kind of fun. Um, when you really do get your colony ticking over and everything's going well, you're sort of waiting for the next catastrophe because then it'll be interesting again. Like you are just kind of, at that point, you're just managing a fairly successful small farm, which is fine, but it's not as entertaining as when the boom rats that explode when they die all swarm all over your place and your automated defense turrets start shooting them and now half your base is on fire and the boom rats have gotten into the main supplies and have eaten all your food. Like that's funny. Then you're like entertained. 
You really, when, you, re- you love management games, uh, don't you? I, I do like management games. games. Or, or when like your your best warrior is is like fifty and he's developed a heart murmur and you've captured a guy and you're just looking at him going, his heart looks awfully healthy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let let out the uh, the inner Joseph Mengele. Huh? So it's all about just let him out. Just let him out every so often. Don't you know? Don't not all the time. But you know, sometimes you just got to let out that crazy scientist that wants to do experiments on people, and uh, and carve them up. Man, that does sound really fucking good. Oh, it's just. I, I'm thinking about taking a week off just to play that now. Uh, I yeah, really, I mean, really you like said that. it's the sort of game I'd play if I lost my job. It's the sort of job game where if I still had a job, I would have lost it playing it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, nice. I'm deep nice. in this now. Nice, that's good. I like that. Well, uh, as it's uh, that sounds fucking amazing. You're going to write about that as well? Do you think? Uh, yes, I'm oh, yeah. definitely going to write about this. Awesome. Well, Richard, you played some games as well, yeah? Yeah, I've played a few. Now yeah. I can't I can't remember what you've been playing to be honest. Um, I can remember one of them, but get just wherever you want to go, man. Wherever you want to talk about. I've not so. played a lot in depth. I've uh, jumped about a lot. As well. <coughs> Got dead into Forza because Forza Six was free for a week, mm-hmm. so I've been playing every Forza game ever. <laughs> in, in just so you can burn yourself out entirely before Horizon Three comes out. Yeah, well, it kind of got me really back into the franchise and. Um, I, th- I think I had four to six for like four days or something. Mm. And by the end of that four days, I, I still wanted to play. Right. And I've just gone back to Forza One, which is free at the moment with Games for Gold. Horizon, Forza Horizon One. Sorry, yeah, Forza Horizon One. Forza mm. Horizon Two, I've been playing a lot of. Um, gone back to Forza Five. Just been playing the whole lot. Um, just trying to bump what? up my um, Forza Hub group rating or whatever it's called so I can get good rewards when Three comes out. So yeah, I've been really enjoying Forza. Played a yeah, bit damn of good games. Damn good yeah. games. Battlefield with you. We had a bit of. Oh yeah, we did. One oh, yeah, we should talk about that a little bit. I suppose we did play the beta, didn't we? Um, yeah. And surprisingly hmm. fun. I thought it might be a bit. To know. I'm not sure how I. I'm not how, sure how I felt about it. To be honest, um, there was a. I can't remember who wrote this article. If it was Kotaku or Eurogamer, it's one of the sites I look at uh, every day. But they wrote a really interesting article about finding it difficult to go back to a realistic shooter after playing Overwatch. And mm. while, while I can kind of... I haven't played as much Overwatch as, say, yourself or as they have. I mean, for me, what it was, was I'd been playing a lot of Battlefront um, and really enjoying Star Wars Battlefront at the moment, really looking forward to the new DLC. And then you play um, Battlefield 1, and it just felt horribly punishing. And I, I was having real problems picking out... Yeah. It enemies in the location more of you you certainly expect yeah. more of you um i was just having trouble seeing enemies i was having trouble just spotting enemies on the map because it's so massive and everybody's so small and moving so quick and kind of camouflage and stuff you know i was just i was just finding that kind of frustrating to be honest well, it's certainly not overwatch where everyone's got pink clothes and green yeah. fluorescent uh, lightning coming off them or whatever but, yeah it's, <laughs> it's more of a paced game it's it, it's not run and gun not even like call of duty which visually might appear similar uh, mm. there is a lot more uh, sniping hiding in corners working out team strategies and some of the new additions they've brought in are fun aren't they the horses the super horses yeah yes <laughs> super horses that can jump up buildings and take <laughs> tanks to kill them 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to shoot a horse with a tank to stop it, basically. I remember one one time, I think there's been videos of this now, but this actually happened to me. So I'm charging at a guy. I'm like, ah, saber out, saber out. He shoots me off my horse. My horse is like, no, no. And then just runs the guy over. And kills <laughs> like it was a truck or something. It's just like he just, uh, he just carried seen, on and the guy was just murdered by the horse. I've seen some like, pretty funny nice. things with stuff. I saw uh, a squad of three people, all with flamethrowers, all on the same horse. <laughs> what? A trio of flamethrowers. Flame horse. I don't even understand how that works. But I, I quite enjoyed the the flying in it. I thought it takes a bit of time getting used to because it it's on the wrong stick. But I'm guessing you can customize all of that. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought the biplanes. It's always been a bit funny, isn't it? It's quite hard to. Yeah. Get yeah. It's, it's easier in Battlefront, but everything's easier in Battlefront. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it seemed all right. It seemed all right. I didn't, I wasn't, like, massively in love with it. Put it this way, you know, if a, if a review copy comes along, I'll give it a look. But I don't I don't think it's something I'd buy at the moment, to be honest. There's so, there's so many other shooters I'm more interested in. Um, I certainly won't be buying yeah. it. I really liked it, but I'm not going to be spending... I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a little bit more into the idea of Titanfall and uh, Call of Duty this year. I, I actually quite like the look of the new Call of Duty, uh, probably because it is different to what they've done before. Well, obviously, a lot of people are freaking out about that. I actually think it looks pretty cool. So um, I like the idea of Space Marines. Substantially space different, or just yeah, the... I, I think there's quite a few bits they've changed with it. So. Um, yeah, I always enjoy. You know, you always enjoy Call of Duty as well, Richard. Don't deny it. Um, I haven't bought the last one yet. Or well, Black Ops? No, I haven't bought Black Ops either. But um, yeah, Advanced Warfare was good, wasn't it? I like that one. That was really yes. cool. Ghost anyway, what else? What else you played? What else you played? Been playing Call of Duty Ghosts again. No, you haven't. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that to me, man. Like the tenth time through. Like I, oh Jesus Christ, man. Okay, now you're literally um, the only person on the planet that likes that one, that Call of Duty. I tell you what, nobody I else. Go on, Black Ops One. <laughs> Not a joke. I saw you. I saw you playing that. Yeah, I did see you playing that. <laughs> going retro on Runners for some reason there. Well, it's gone backwards compatible, and it was on sale. So I thought, oh, I'll buy that. Get rid of my disc. I'll get it digitally. I'll play through it again. Still stands up, you know. Still looks good on the old Xbox One. Well, that's one thing we were talking about the new um, the new preview build. Um, it's supposed to improve performance on a lot of backwards compatibility games. Mm. Uh, it's one of the one of the things it's done. Like it improves a lot of the frame rates and stutter issues and stuff. That, for example, Forza Horizon had. I was reading about that and stuff. So that's pretty cool. But yeah. I also heard it wasn't that those problems were already alleviated by the S. So I might not have noticed because I have an S. So. Uh, right. No, they were know. pretty bad, and Black yeah. Ops was actually the worst. Oh, oh right. Yeah, it was um, kind of lame in Forza Horizon. You'd get some stutters, but unplayably so in Black Ops for minutes at a time. So it's not good. That was that was bad. But I think that's. But you played it anyway because Richard loves the Call of Duties. Yeah. yeah. So Call of Duty, isn't it? Got to do it. <laughs> what about what about um, review stuff? Did I? I can't remember what I sent you now. You've sent me Claire, which is a two pixelated horror thing. I've played it for like 10 minutes and I haven't done a lot so far, so it's probably not worth talking about. No, no worries. Um, I've gone down a lift. I've tried to answer a phone. No one spoke at the other end and I got an achievement that said the achievement is called Who is Phone? So that sets the tone for 
kind of a lackluster production, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think isn't this the extended edition or something of Claire? I'm pretty sure it's no. like a special Claire, edition. Claire ex- extended cut, whatever that Brilliant. means. Just not with the words that I needed to make a sentence make sense. No. Well, they didn't extend the uh, sentences. Who is phone is a meme, by the way. It's a, it's a... Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah. Oh, is that a thing? Oh, we're just it's, old, Richard. I, I don't know where it's Richard, from. We're just old. It's fine. I mean, I've uh, seen it on 4chan, but I don't think it's a 4chan originated. I think it's from somewhere else. Right. Oh, okay. But, yeah. There's a nonsensical story that people repost as a copy pasta that's just um, well, now the you've told me it's a phrase. Then who is, who is phone? Now you've told me it's a meme, I think it's hilarious. It sounds yeah, like the not. best game ever made. Yeah. From Phoenix Wright. I've got the new Phoenix Wright. Which our was first, our first 3DS review yeah. is going to be. That's quite a big deal. That's cool. Yeah, so good. It's been a long time since I played Phoenix Wright because I did the first game. Um, I did finish it, loved it, and mm. I've bought a few since and not put the time into finishing them. I did get the trilogy on 3DS a couple months back, which I'm yet to actually start, to be honest, but I've got the trilogy ready to go on the old 3DS, um, as well as the newer 3DS game, which I forget the name of, but whatever the last one was, I've got that too. So I suppose I'd better go back and do them, but um, going into this new one, so funny. What's the subtitle for this one? This one's called Spirit of Justice. Spirit of Justice. And keeping it topical... Um, Phoenix Wright goes to a fictional country, looks kind of like Tibet, somewhere like that. And he walks into a courtroom. He's on holiday. He's there to see one of his mates, but he walks into a courtroom and um, they don't like the look of him. They tell him he's not allowed in. Why can't I come in, he says? Because you're a foreigner. So there we are, 2016. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, he gets himself embroiled in this court case because in this fictional country they don't allow defence lawyers anymore. What? <laughs> what? Why would you have a court system at all? I'm really confused. <laughs> to be fair, the, the Phoenix Wright games are not the best depiction of fair and well-balanced legal systems. No. <laughs> no, but this takes it to extremes. And <laughs> the... 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 The mechanism for justice in this country is based on seances. So the final moments of a murder victim might be seen through the eyes of the victim um, through a shimmering pool. So (laughs) you get to see exactly what they saw in their last moments. And obviously there's no no need for a defence attorney because you can see right there what happened. Right. The... um, it has this interesting legal system where if a defence attorney does try their luck, they are convicted along with their client. <laughs> and it turns out that Phoenix Wright's client is facing death. So... <laughs> it's, it's quite dark for an opening um, case in, the, in this new entry to the series. But despite that being, awesome. Yeah, but despite being utterly bleak, it's so funny. The, 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 the characters that you see in this game, I, I think they were crazy in the first game in, in some of the subsequent games, but this seems to take it to new levels where um, you've got to cross-examine a monk. But this monk's kind of like a hippie type. He's got a mandolin-type instrument 
and he seems like a piece of love to begin with. And then you start pressing him and pressing him and working out where he's lying and where he's trying to mislead you. And he just starts getting more agitated to the point that the mandolin, he has to plug it into big speakers and start defending himself through the medium of heavy metal. <laughs> um, you know, it's nice to know Capcom can't just really remake. <laughs> it's, I, I'm, I, it's quite nice that they're putting out something as weird sounding as this. That's, that's a cool one. It's, it's so weird and just so well written. I mean, it's not often you think, you, you don't often think about who's doing localization in games. And for this, you think, good job. Good, mm. really good job of localization because it feels really well tailored to what well, I, I suppose me as a, as a British consumer, it feels like it's written for me. It's obviously not. So whoever's localized this has done a bang up job mm. and it's just hilarious all the way through so far. And in the presentation is absolutely flawless considering this is running on a 3DS. Um, it's not like the old games that were cartoon, um, sort of hand-drawn 2D animations. It's all rendered in 3D, um, but just looks absolutely stunning. The, just the, even just you, you look at the characters' lips and you think, how have they rendered lips so well on a, on a 3DS in a 3D model? It all looks as if it is hand-drawn, but just pristine animations and um, sort of rotating around characters and just making the the absolute best use of the hardware that I've seen. Fantastic. Sounds awesome, man. Well, I look forward to your full review. Um, all right, I'm going to take us to the website now for a little bit um, and do our, our little focus on the other things. Rob did a fucking awesome review of Hue. Uh, it's a Hue is this new kind of like indie platforming puzzle game that's out on the consoles that just came out. Really entertaining review with a very interesting um, sort of opening paragraph and opening gambit. Uh, interesting and weird in only the way Rob can do. Uh, Adam has done many other reviews beyond the games he's talked about today. He did a review for Seasons After Fall and um, The Final Station. And I think there was a third one. There was Lumo. Lumo now, Adam, yes. Lumo, I really wanted I to like Lumo. I wanted that game to be awesome. I played that EGX last year and thought it was charming and pretty, yeah, charming. And nice sound and nice. Like I like the ethos behind it. And it turns out, mm, no, I mean, only goes so far. To be fair, you know, reviews are subjective. Possibly mm. other less grumpy people than me would enjoy Lumo. Uh, you said you found it charming. I found it, I have to say, almost utterly charmless. I really didn't get on with it. I mean, the main character is kind of nice to look at, but beyond that, there's not a lot of world building going on there. It's just this very sort of straightforward love letter to an old genre that probably should have stayed old. Like, yeah. Hey, look, well, I, I, I'm judging it based on a made-for-the-show demo of about 20 mm -hmm. minutes, you know? So it's like, that's not necessarily reflective of the final game. Well, it's almost certainly not reflective of the final game. So that's fair enough. I mean, um, hey, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. It, it would have got a three, but the level design gets so sadistic um, at the point where I got to and stopped that I just I couldn't. Like, there, there comes a point when, when you have <laughs> on your critical path challenges that are that difficult or that are just that irritating and frustrating to do, I honestly start to wonder whether you don't... Like, you get into some sort of weird consumer rights questions about people have bought your game and then you just put a barrier in the middle of it that's like, ah, 
some percentage of you are never going to see any further than this. And I don't know. It feels like they're ripping people off. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. I mean, that, that, make sure you go and check out the full reviews. Like I said, so there was the final station. I, I played the final station as well on um, on Xbox. Oh, yeah. What and, did you think um, of it? I, I like I am. I haven't finished it like you did on the PC. But again, I thought that was um, a cool concept with an interesting narrative and some interesting kind of uh, narrative conceits that were going on there. I, I maybe didn't love the moment-to-moment gameplay. Um, I thought the pointless sort of management of the train was a bit like yeah. London. And I, and I thought that the side-scrolling combat was a bit like, eh, it could have been something different, could have been more interesting. Um, but I did think the world that was built there was mm. was really cool. Yeah, I'm going to definitely go back and, and try and finish it off. And then there was, like I said, Seasons After Fall on PC, which is definitely a pretty game, but I... Uh, I kind of expect that to show up on consoles at some point. I have a feeling. It feels like it should do. Yes. I mean, uh, it's Lin- totally at home on a control pad, so yeah. We have a new contributor, and that's Lyndon Haynes, which I believe is a friend of the of the group of creators that we have already on the site. And he's joined us for his first ever review, which was for Dogos on PS4, which I didn't realize this to start with. I didn't realize this, but they here, they were the developers who made this behind Project Root. My most hated game yeah. on the Xbox One thus if you, far. If you'd known, I'm sure you would have kept that for yourself, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I didn't realise, and it turns <laughs> out, and it turns out, Dogo's not much better. Uh, on our new rating scale, I mean, on, on the great Xbox days when I reviewed it, I gave it a 1 out of 10 uh, for Project Root. Dogo's got a 1 star out of 5. So, <laughs> equidestant in, in shit, it would seem. Uh, not good. That's a shame. It was again. It's a cool idea. I, I'd like to see that genre of shoot 'em up come back and and be good. Lyndon certainly didn't think this one succeeded in that though. So hey, hey check out his for paying your dues though, Lyndon. I'm sure the next one would be better, mate. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what I've given him. Actually, I've given him something. He's got Ocean Horn, hasn't he? Oh, that's right, Ocean Horn, the the port of the iOS game, like a console version of the iOS game. That actually looks pretty good, like a sort of like a Wind Waker Zelda-y kind of game. Yeah. So that one might be that one might be just decent. Fingers crossed. Um, and then Cameron did a video. Well, not a review, an early look at um, Dropship Down on PC, which looks a lot like um, Hell Divers. Hell Divers. Thank you, thank you, Adam. Cheers. Yes. Um, which look, yeah, that, that's a kind of fun, kind of ultra difficult kind of shoot 'em up kind of game. I, I dig that concept. I think that's quite fun. I like Hell Divers, but I liked Alienation more. Uh, mm-hmm. I have to say from House Mark, I think that's a pretty. A, be- a better uh, entry into that sort of genre. And I think that kind of brings us to the end of this episode. A brief, a brisk 90-minute one, rather than a two-hour one. Um, and look, guys, obviously the format of the show is a little bit different this time. Um, if you've got any uh, feedback or thoughts on the more freewheeling, maybe we're not covering everything as exhaustively that we, you know, we've covered on the site in the last two weeks. We're just going to talk about what's a bit more topical. You know, That's what we've gone for today. A bit more relaxed, less scripted. Uh, obviously, no script, guys. Um, so, you know, if you, if you like this, maybe we'll keep it this way, you know? So we'll, we'll play. We're messing around. We're only nine episodes into this. So, um, you know, and <laughs> episode 10 is going to be interesting because Google Hangouts will no longer exist. So who the fuck knows what that's going to be? Uh, really quickly, before you close down the show, yeah. um, does Rocket League on the consoles follow the same update chain as Rocket League on the PC? I think Do so, but maybe a bit behind. Mode? Uh, yeah, is that the oh with the crazy the ga- crazy game time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I literally I played it for about twenty minutes um, at six o'clock tonight, just to have a quick look at it in case we mentioned it. And uh, it's really interesting. Like I'd check it out if it's around. I think it's. I'm not, I'm not sure 
I'm 100% sure it does, but um, not, at least not as quick Fair as it does on PC. I'll have to, I'd have to have a look, but okay. I'm, I'm doing it a little bit. No, I, I like, when I heard that was announced, I definitely want to give it a go. So, yeah, um, I'm at D-I-Y-E on Twitter. Uh, BXB is obviously BXB Games on Twitter. Join our community on PS4. Join our club on Xbox One. Uh, we can be found under BXB in most of these, and if there is another uh, competing option... Find the one that says official and has Hall Ben <laughs> in it, and that'll be the right one. Um, and generally, the nicer option, I suspect. Uh, by all means, join us, though, because we're going to be, I reckon, in Destiny next week. So, um, yeah, join us for some games of that. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, Richard, where can people find you? Colonel Red on Twitter. Follow me. Also on Xbox Live, but with the space between those words. <laughs> Adam. Uh, I'm at Adam Breeden Dev uh, on Twitter. And that's probably the the only place I really want to talk to my boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's a private man, is Adam. It's pri- very private. Lots of secret secret irons in the fire that he can't divulge. And also, there's no point trying to get in touch with me at any point in the next two weeks. I'm just be playing Rimworld, so just you yeah. know, don't worry about it. He, he's Unless you've got good economist. kidneys, if you've got good kidneys, come and talk to me. In <laughs> <laughs> I really fucking want to play that game. I really want to play it. I just don't know how I'd find the time and Duskers as well. Duskers sounds so good. Oh my god, so good. Duskers um, is actually a pretty short session. Like You can do them derelict in about 10-15 minutes. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, next week we're looking at potentially Recore, Destiny, Forza is the week after that, uh, Gears of War is the end of the month as well. So, uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm missing a whole bunch of other games, so it's uh, yeah, kicking off. So it should be fun. Um, so we, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, possibly on YouTube Live. We'll see what that is <laughs> when that happens. And yes. Might be a Skype thing. Might be might be me talking into a tin can on a bit of string. We, it, who knows? All right. That's the end of BXB's Bits and Bobs, Episode 9, Flying Blind. See you all in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.